Well, uh, hey, it's uh, a real privilege to be here wrapping up our incredible series, Colliding Worlds. Colliding Worlds. Who's enjoyed the last few weeks? Uh, man, as we're going on a, a journey towards finding a greater level of freedom in God. And uh, I know there's, there's always another level of freedom. God's uh, taken us on a journey where we can discover uh, a greater level of freedom in life. And, and as we say, salvation deals with our eternity, but, but freedom really deals with the quality of life while here on earth. And it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. And my hope tonight is that we'd find freedom in God's Word and in His presence. And, uh, uh, to, you know, actually, before we go any further, the title of my message the title of my message is Give Us Faith. Give Us Faith. Do you know, we live in a day and age where there's more reason to be offended than ever before. Man, it feels like everyone's offended. Men are offended. Women are offended. Right? Liberals are offended. Conservatives are offended. Millennials are offended. Baby boomers are offended. Vegans are offended. Actually, I heard there's been a growing movement amongst uh, vegan activists to, to remove meat-based metaphors from everyday language, right? So, so something like bringing home the bacon uh, should be removed because it's inappropriate. Putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Or your goose is cooked, all uh, right? So instead of saying... Uh, uh, um, bringing home the bacon, we've got to say something like bringing home the broccoli, right? That'll be more, more sensitive and appropriate. And uh, actually, I heard there's uh, um, a, a movement also amongst uh, animal rights activists to remove common sayings that promote abuse amongst animals, like things like, like flogging a dead horse, right? Something that, that promotes uh, animal cruelty or, or killing two birds with one stone. So instead of saying that, you've got to say something like uh, feeding a full horse or, or feeding two birds with one scone. I don't know uh, how it goes, but... But, you know, it seems that we're in a day and age where everyone's got reason to be offended. Actually, I heard that, in preparing for this message, I heard a story that, that uh, 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 amongst um, uh, uh, steak restaurants... In the United States, uh, animal rights activists were turning up, and they were turning on uh, massive speakers with, with noises from, uh, of, of uh, um, animals and cows being slaughtered for, for producing meat. So they turned these speakers playing this, this, this sound, this horrible sound, and the, the owners came out and said, hey, you can't do this. You've got to move. Right? <laughs> Apology. This is a, I'm a dad now, so I've got these dad jokes. They just kind of flow out of me. But, but these activists found themselves in, in prison as a result. And, uh, do you know, I find, you know, it can happen to anyone, any one of us. I mean, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're the wrong person pushing the right button on the wrong day, right, something's going to go off. Anyone know the, the, uh, the, the board game Operation? Board game board game's what we had before Fortnite. Uh, if you uh, can't remember, but board games, there was a board game called Operation, and basically, you, if you touch the wrong spot on, on, the, on the board, the, the, the noise will go off, bzzz, 
and his, his nose will light up red, which is a lot like what happens to us, you know, nose right, uh, uh, our nose uh, uh, glows red like Rudolph whenever we get angry or annoyed or frustrated if someone touches the wrong spot on, on the wrong day. And, uh, and, you know, every one of us, uh, you know, we've been offended from time to time. And if, if you're looking for a way to be offended, chances are you're going to find it, right? You're going to find it. You know, someone rolls their eyes at you, got reason to be offended. Maybe someone has the wrong tone in their voice. Maybe someone forgets to, to say thank you. Maybe someone forgets to, uh, to wave at you when you let them in at traffic, right? And we know that's the rule, right? We're supposed to wave when someone, uh, when, when, uh, we, you, no, someone's supposed to wave when you let them in in traffic. And uh, uh, when, a, when a friend doesn't respond to a post, who knows that we've got reason to be offended or, or when uh, someone unfollows us on social media, Maybe someone cuts you off in traffic or, or someone uh, uh, flips you off for, for pulling out in front of them. Actually, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, uh, actually realized, been taught a great way to, to, to cut someone deep in traffic isn't necessary to pull the finger, but actually just do this. Right? I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just disappointed. Right? And so uh, there's so many reasons to be offended. And if we think we're free of offenses... And the truth is, we just don't know someone well enough to be offended by them, right? Because there's so many reasons. So, so how, do we, how do we survive a world where there's so many reasons, so many temptations to, to hold offense? I mean, how, do we, how do we navigate life when, when there's so many things to be offended by? Well, what I want to do tonight is I want to give you one statement, one big statement, and then I want to unpack it for you this afternoon, and that's this. If we're going to navigate and grow past all the daily temptations to be offended, we need to close the gap with love. Close the gap with love. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Now, now there's a dynamic that takes place uh, in, in every interaction, in every conversation there's a dynamic, whether we realize it or not. In every interaction, uh, there's, a, there's an action, there's a moment, and then there's a reaction, right? There's a gap, there's a space. Someone acts, and there's a moment in time, or a period in time, a micro moment where you can make a judgment on what that action means, and you can decide how you're going to respond, right? And there's a, there's, a, there's a decision to make. There's always a gap, but we choose what to put in that gap. Here's an example. There's an action. A guy driving in the lane next to yours looks in your direction and pulls the finger, right? And there's, there's a moment. There's a moment in time to, to interpret the, the meaning behind that action and decide in that moment how you're going to respond. But here's the problem. Do you want know, to know what the problem is? Here's the, the issue, the problem that humanity faces. We are horrible at interpreting motive, right? We, we, we're horrible at interpreting motive, and uh, we know this because we've been misinterpreted, right? Every one of us, we've been misunderstood. We, we, we try and do good, but we, it gets misunderstood. We try and do what's right, but we're misinterpreted. I remember one time, I was, I was actually, I was only seven years old. And uh, I remember, I must have seen it on a cartoon or something, but I remember hearing the phrase, goodbye and good riddance. Goodbye and good riddance. Everyone heard of that phrase before. I heard this phrase and, 
And uh, as a young seven-year-old, I actually understood that statement to mean something along the lines of, goodbye and have a great day. Right, And so as a seven-year-old, I'm there, you know, with the best intentions, well-meaning, trying to be nice, trying to wish people well, saying goodbye and good riddance, not realizing that, that people were being offended by what I had to say. And I was confused at how people were responding, right? Every one of us can relate because we've all been misunderstood, right? We're horrible at interpreting motives. And, and psychologists would say it's, it's due to an, an error and attribution, an error in attribution. See, so we, uh, we attribute our own behavior to our circumstances, but we attribute other people's actions to their character, right? In other words, there's, there's a reason why I did this. There's, a, there's an explanation, right? There's, there's a reason for the sour look on my face, right? There's a reason for this, for this resting face. It's, uh, you know, there's a reason for it, right? Because, man, I've had a hard day. Right, I've had a terrible day. I've had, I, 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 I was under pressure at, at work, and there's, uh, the people are complaining. There's trouble at home. I've had a terrible day. There's a reason for the look on my face. Right? There's a reason why I've overreacted and lost my cool. Right? I, I, I'm under pressure at work. My boss is on my case, and, and they're demanding results that I just can't give them. I'm feeling stressed out. I don't know how to respond. Right? That's why I'm overreacting in this moment. There's a reason. Why I've lost my cool. There's a reason why I'm not talking. I'm not talking because I've just received some terrible news. Right? I've, just, I've just received some news that I don't know how to respond to. So I just need to process what's going on in my world. Right? You know me. Right? There must be an explanation. But if someone else does something, right, then it's another story. Right? If someone else has a sour look on their face, then man, they're just, they're just moody. Right? They've got an attitude problem. If someone else overreacts and loses their cool, man, they've got an anger problem. They've got some issues that they need to sort out. If, if someone else uh, isn't talking, man, they're, they're rude. Right? They're arrogant. They think they're, they're better than other people. See, we want to be judged by our motives while we judge others by their actions. We want to be judged by our best day while, while we judge others by their worst day. And the truth is we have an enemy. We have an enemy, the devil. Right, and he, he was an angel who fell from grace, and, and now he's, he's, he's doing everything he can to take us out. And the Bible has a number of different names for him, uh, Satan, Lucifer, the, the father of lies. But in Revelation 12, John calls him the accuser of the brethren. And while, while God wants you to fill the gap with love, the, the devil wants you to fill that gap with accusations, with blame, by pointing the finger, by, by, by uh, you know, telling other people that it's their issue. You know, if my wife came to me and said, uh, asked me a question, did you take out the trash? You know, the devil would uh, uh, have me think, oh, she thinks I'm lazy. She doesn't appreciate me. Right? She, doesn't, she doesn't know all the work that I do. She doesn't know uh, I come home tired from work because I've been working hard all day. She doesn't know what I do. She, she's communicating something in this moment. She thinks I'm lazy. Love would have us respond by saying, she's probably just wondering if I took the trash out. Right? See, if a, a friend doesn't text you back, uh, uh, the devil would have you think that uh, th th there's a reason why they're not texting you back. Right? They're hiding something. Right, well, what, what, what are they hiding? They've done something wrong. They're, 
what's going on in this situation? I don't know if I can trust them. I don't know what's, what's happening. Why are they so? Have I said something? Have I done something? Have I offended them? Right? That's what the devil would say. But, but love would say, man, their phone's probably gone flat. Right? Well, they probably saw the text and, and they, uh, they just uh, assumed they'd get back to it, but they've forgotten. Right? Love assumes the best. And we need to fill the gap with love. That's why Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates the closest friends. So here's, here's the trouble, though. What, what, what do we do if our assumptions are correct? I mean, how do we respond when, when, when we know they meant it? How do we respond when, when they're intentionally trying to be harsh, when they're intentionally trying to hurt us, or they're intentionally trying to tear us down? So I've often found a question that's helpful, a question that can, uh, is helpful for guarding my heart, for, for, for maintaining that posture of love, is this question here. I wonder what's going on in the world right now. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what they're having to deal with. I wonder what, what their family life is like. I wonder what's going on at work. I wonder how they're, uh, maybe they're under financial pressure. I wonder how they're dealing with what's happening right now. See, instead of choosing to be offended by, we can choose to have compassion for. That's why Proverbs 19.11 says it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. What, what does it mean to overlook an offense? Well, simply put, it's a conscious decision to let it go, to let it go in the moment, let it go, right? It's a, it's a real-time, in-the-moment decision to release judgment, to, to instead of replaying the, the offense over and over, instead of uh, rehearsing that offense in your, in your mind, instead of reliving that offense again and again, it's a decision to, to let it go, right? To let it go. I'm not going to sing it, but you can imagine me singing it. It's all right. See, see, my calling, it elevates me. My purpose, it lifts me. Right? What do you do? Uh, see, a calling, it, it's, it's, it, it lifts us to another level. Right? We understand that, that, that we're called to something greater. See, you, you, maybe your coworker doesn't invite you to that party. Man, just, just let it go. Right? There's going to be other parties. Maybe that person uh, uh, sneaks in and takes your park at the Westfield shopping mall. Even though you were waiting there for a minute and you clearly had your indicator on and they knew that the park was yours, man, there'll be other parks. Just let it go. Right? Well, what if your in-laws criticize the way you're raising your kids? Right? Just make a decision to let it go. What if your kids agree with your in-laws? Man, just make a decision to let it go. Now, what if your student gives you an eye roll, man, let it go. I'm making a decision to let it go because being bitter will never make your life better. It won't. Your, your life never got better by being bitter. No one ever changed the world by holding on to offense. Can you imagine if Jesus made a decision to hold on to offense? Or if he was offended. Thomas, I can't believe that you doubted me. Right after everything that I've done, after, after all these things, after all these miracles, I've worked so hard. I can't believe you've doubted me. Peter, I can't believe you betrayed me. I mean, I thought you were my friend. I thought we were close. I mean, you told me that you'd never, never uh, abandoned me, and I took your word. Imagine if Jesus got offended. See, make a decision to, to let it go. But it's one thing to let go of small offenses. But what do you do when you've, you've really been hurt? 
What do you do when, when someone you trusted, someone you admired, someone you loved betrayed you? Maybe a roommate stole something from you. Maybe a kid in school bullied you and then posted on social media about you. Maybe, maybe a boyfriend lied to you, then lied about you. Maybe a dad that you, you, you've wanted to please has, has, has been unduly harsh and said something that's hurt you. Maybe a spouse you trusted betrayed your trust. See, see it's one thing to let go of small offenses, but, but how do you navigate the big hurts? How do you, how do you process those, those, those pains, those wounds? What do you do when you've been hurt? And, and you tried to let it go. Right, you tried, but you couldn't. And I've, I've often found that trying to uh, forgive people of, of, of hurt, you know, of, of wounds, it's often like trying to vacuum something up that, that just won't be vacuumed up. You ever tried to vacuum and it's like this, this piece of paper just won't be va- vacuumed up, right? You, you, you go over it again and again and then maybe you change your angle and you try again. You try again, you try from here and you think, oh, if I try back here again, it might work this time. So you, and nothing works, you pick it up. You look at it, what do you do? You throw it back down and you try again, right? That's what we do. And often in life, that can be like how, how we process forgiveness. We tried it from this angle. We've tried it from that angle. We picked it up. We looked at it. We inspected it. And nothing seems to work over and over again. See, Luke 17, verse 3, it says this. Jesus addresses the the issue, and he says to the disciples, watch yourselves. If, a, if another believer sins or sins against you, rebuke that person, right? Then if there's repentance, forgive. Now, that, that makes sense, right? If, if someone uh, sins against you, someone hurts you, you go to that person, right? Don't wait back. Don't hold back. Don't wait for things to blow over. You go to that person, and if, if, if they're repentant, you forgive. You release them of your judgment. That, that makes sense, right? And so the, believe, the, the disciples, they're thinking the same thing you and I are thinking. Yeah, I give them like one time. One time, I give them one chance and one opportunity. We'll see what happens. But this is what Jesus goes on to say. He says, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Whoa. Mind-blowing, to which the apostles replied, give us faith. Give us faith. You know, it takes faith to forgive. It takes faith. What, what, what's, what's forgiveness? I can tell you what forgiveness isn't. See, forgiveness is not forgetting. You know, forgiveness isn't having like your, your memory wiped. It's not like one of those MIB uh, mind wipers, you know. It's, it's not like you have this brain transplant. All of a sudden, you forget everything that ever happened. It's not pretending like nothing happened or sweeping things under the carpet because forgiveness isn't forgetting. Just as forgiveness isn't forgetting, forgiveness isn't fear. Right? It's not fear. It was never meant to be fear. There's nothing natural about forgiveness. Right? Fear is to hold on to offense. Uh, yeah, Jesus says, uh, pray for those who hurt you. Man, I'll pray. I'll pray they get hemorrhoids. Right? It's not fear. Forgiveness has never been fear. I can tell you, this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving to others what God has given to us. 
God calls us to forgive. He calls us to, to forgive others. Why? Because we have been forgiven. And the gospel isn't just about what flows to you. The gospel is about what flows through you. How's your flow? Is, is what's flowing to you flowing through you? Is there a release? Because otherwise there's a violation when, when you're holding on to what you received and you don't pass it on. I believe that the level of grace we extend is, is proportional to the level of grace we've received. Forgiven people forgive. It's only natural. And in God's presence, we, we want grace, but, but out of God's presence, we demand justice. Now, Peter comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. Now, obviously, uh, Peter's had an issue. He's got an offense. Uh, someone's done something. Someone's offended him. And uh, Peter's smart. He's been listening, right? And so he asks Jesus a question. He says, he says Jesus, if, if someone offends me, if someone hurts me, how many times should I forgive them? Seven? Right, thinking, all oh, right, I'm, I'm going to impress him now. Right, see, I've been listening. I've learned. I've figured out, okay, seven's the number. Right, that's the limit. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus responds to him by saying, not seven. No, 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 no. Seventy times seven. Now, what Jesus isn't saying, right, 490 times, right, that's it. The 491st time, they're out. No, no, what, what Jesus is doing is he's, he's illustrating a point. He's illustrating a point that forgiveness, it's not about the number. It's not about a limit. No, there's something deeper. Why? Because forgiveness is for us. There's something in this. And so he illustrates by telling a story. And this is a story he says in Matthew 18, from verse 23. He says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his account up to date with his servants who had borrowed some money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now, that sounds pretty harsh, but this is, this is common practice in this day and age. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all, I swear. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and, and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and, and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it all, he pleaded. Does this sound pretty familiar? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as, as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And that's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, if, if we're struggling to forgive, maybe it's because we, we don't have a full understanding of what we're being forgiven of. 
Maybe we don't have a full appreciation of the, the price that was paid. And like the unforgiving debtor, we've been pardoned of our debt. Right, but now we've got the chance to cancel other people's debt, but we hold out. So, so why should we forgive? Why should we forgive? I've heard it said that, that forgiveness is like setting a prisoner free and then discovering that prisoner was yourself. See, forgiveness is more about me than it is about them. Right? Forgiveness is actually more about the person who's forgiving. And when you, when you hold on forgiveness, you're a slave to the person who's hurt you. You're a slave to that offense, that hurt, that hurt has power over you, right? And the power of forgiveness is void if we make a decision to add conditions to that forgiveness. I'll forgive them if they come to me and ask for it. I'll forgive them if they come on their hands and knees begging for forgiveness. I'll give them forgiveness if they change. You know, what we're doing is we're putting conditions on that forgiveness, but it becomes void. Why? Because they still have the power. Right, we only have the power back when we make a decision to, to forgive. Now, uh, growing up, uh, I didn't get a lot of "I'm proud of you" from my dad. Uh, you know, my dad he uh, he had uh, issues and challenges, a lot of health issues, and uh, uh, and unfortunately, he was a good man. He was a good man. He provided for us, but but because of his own personal challenges, he although he provided for us. Uh, there were still some, some significant needs that, that I had as a, as a young man, as a boy growing up, and that he was unable to provide. And uh, I had this, this hole inside of me. I, mean, I was desperate. I was like, man, Dad, just give me something. Give me something to hang my hat on. You, you can do this, Ed. You've got this, Ed. You've done a great job, Ed. I'm proud of you. Actually, there's one moment I remember I was... Um, uh, we had just cut down a big tree on our front lawn, and, uh, and we had a trailer there, and, and the, the, the wood had been chopped, and, and my dad had given me the job of, of stacking wood into the trailer. And uh, he left for a while, and I made it a decision, I'm going to do a good job. I remember I was seven years old. I'm going to do a great job. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I pack as much as I can, can into this trailer, and I'm, I'm going to fill. I'm going to do a good job. And and my dad came back. He he looked at the the work I'd done. He's he's really impressed. He said to me, "Man, you great job. Great job." Thirty years later, I remember that statement because it's one of the last times he ever said something like that. And and you know I I, I don't know, he just was lost in his own world, but, but for me, a young man, there's, there, was a, there was a gap, there was a hole, there's a void, and, and it caused pain. There was hurt. There's a lot of bitterness. And this was, this was the, the life that I lived. This was uh, as, as a child growing up, as, even as a teenager. There was hurt and pain. And, and even I got saved uh, at the age of 18 in this church, and, and my life radically changed, radically transformed. But f- Right through my journey, I, there's always this part of my heart that I wouldn't allow the love of God in. And I made a decision that I was holding on to it. And, and uh, it wasn't actually up until recently. Um, I've uh, um, just recently had, um, we've had our first son. Uh, he's 18 months now, and uh, he's amazing. He's incredible. But when my son was first born, uh, I noticed that there was a struggle in me to connect with him. It was, it was hard for me to to, to build a connection, I felt this distance, this gap, and I realized, it was actually in a, a moment of worship in church, I realized that there was a fear 
in me. There was a fear that I was going to repeat what my father had done. There was a fear that I was going to hurt my son, and, and it actually created a gap. And so I was unable to give my son the love that he needed from a father. And in that moment, it, I realized that the, the only person who's missing out here, if I hold on to this unforgiveness, it's me but also my son. See, forgiveness is, is not just for the person you're forgiving. It's, it's for you. And I realized in that moment that, that I need to release my dad from my judgment. In that moment, I made a decision with the help of the Holy Spirit, with his grace, I was able to, to release my father. And from that moment, there was breakthrough in my relationship with my son. I was able to love him the way he needed to be loved. I was able to be the father that he needed me to be. See, in that moment, I realized God loves me, and he's for me. Now, I, I love this church. I love this church. Not just because of the, the countless lives that have been impacted, right? The, the hundreds, maybe even thousands of, of people that have responded to the gospel in the time that I've been here. I love this church because I am one of those lives. Because my life has been transformed. And every one of us has a story. Why would God ask you to forgive? Because he loves you. Because he's for you. See, he doesn't just ask you to forgive someone else to heal the other person. No, he asks you to forgive to heal you. And forgiving someone else, it may not always set them free, but I can guarantee you it will set you free. You'll experience the freedom of God. But how do you forgive? How do you forgive if you've been hurt by someone? If you're hurt by someone, if, if they've, they've disappointed you, if, they, if they've betrayed you, if they've let you down, if they've gossiped behind your back, if they've took credit for your idea, often there's going to be a feeling like, like uh, there's a, a debt in the relationship. There's a debt that they need to repay. All of a sudden, they owe you. That's why we use things like uh, statements like, you, you owe me an apology. Right? Maybe your, your, your boss owes you a promotion. Maybe your, your, your wife owes you respect or your husband owes you recognition. See, forgiveness is simply a decision to release that debt. Whatever, whatever debt, whatever you owe me, whatever that is, whatever, whatever happened between us, whatever debt there might be, uh, it's a decision to, to release that debt. Just as you'd release a, a financial debt, it's a decision to let it go. And so this, this debt is no more. It's been forgiven. It takes faith to forgive. What's faith? Well, I can tell you, faith isn't pretending. Right? We, don't, we don't pretend something is true that isn't. It's not mind over matter. If I convince myself that it's true, then it will be. Right? Faith, faith isn't a feeling. You know, if I feel a certain way, then it's, it's going to kick in. That's not the case. We, often we're waiting for feelings in order to respond in faith. But in reality, feelings can often get in the way of faith. Now, feelings are important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we shouldn't undermine and underestimate feelings, but often we pursue faith in spite of how we're feeling. So faith isn't a feeling, and just as faith isn't a force, right? It's not something we wield when we need something done. That's called magic, right? And there's nothing magical about faith. No, faith is this. Faith is trust in Jesus. Right, what does faith do? Faith enables me to see an opportunity to forgive when other people see an opportunity for offense. 
See, faith enables me to see that there's freedom on the other side of this forgiveness. Faith enables, enables me to trust Him with my hurt, with my pain. Faith knows that He is my vindicator, that He is fighting on my behalf. Faith enables me to access His grace, His strength, His power. Come on, it takes faith, faith to forgive. Come on, it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free.